Good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad you're here. My name is Jim Barcliffe, the pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're excited about you being here. I do believe that God has something special for you today uh, from His Word, His presence in your life as you join us today. It is so good, we pray today, that this message would go throughout the world. This is a message foundationally as far as the truth from the Word of God, and I'm glad that you have joined us. So if you have some particular comments, if you put it on Facebook and all, we'll address those right at the end of uh, the message and any concerns or prayer requests. You can obviously put those on there and we'll receive them and we'll pray for you because we need to obviously stay together. And those of you who couldn't come in, obviously personally here in corporate worship today, uh, we're just excited about you being where you are today and that God's speaking to your heart. So there are many things we need to pray for today. And I know all of you have different prayer requests. So I would encourage you to offer them to the Lord this day that you ask. The Bible says that he, he knows even before we ask him what we need to pray for. And so, but yet we come before him because it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that we know that we long for and what the Father desires to give us, a relationship with him. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ into the world to die for our sins, that we would obviously, uh, our sins would be forgiven and we would be able to walk directly into the most holy place, come in to have fellowship with our God. And so I would all encourage you to pray. Don't give up. Keep on praying and asking. Get people to pray with you. Maybe pray over your neighborhood, wherever you are, and pray for revival. Pray for an awakening across this land. I do believe that God is, is doing some great things in the midst of a lot of things we see, the chaos and the tumult and all the other things. I believe that God is moving. And so continue to keep the faith and continue to persevere. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you and praise you. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to stand here before you and to share the word of God to uh, obviously many, many people, those here and those who are watching. We thank you and praise you. We thank you most of all for who you are. We thank you, Lord, from eternity past that you had a plan in place that in the fullness of time you would send forth your son Jesus Christ in the world who would give his life for the sins of the world. And we thank you. We will be forever grateful, forever thankful that truly Jesus came. And so, Father, today we thank you for your salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And we pray today, Father, those who are watching and those who are here today, if someone has never received Jesus into their lives, today would be the day that they feel, I need God in my life. I, I need God because of the anxiousness, the anxiety, and all the things that are going on around me that I have no control over, and I need to know there is a God. And I pray today, Father, you would reveal yourself to the multitudes who will be watching this. And all over this world, the many people uh, gathered, but also in live streaming, dear God, many, many people would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ because no, we, Jesus is the answer. And we pray today, Father, that you would hear our cry from the, from the depths of our hearts for healing and deliverance and most of all salvation, Father. We pray, Father, today you set us free. We pray today that you would, Lord, as you've come to set the captive free, that you would set us free because of the blood of the Lamb. Father, we thank you. May you anoint this word as you speak, and Lord, let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth in power and change our lives. And may Jesus Christ be exalted. 
We pray today against this virus. We pray that you, Lord, would eradicate it. Just demolish it, Lord. Just stop it in its tracks, dear Lord. And you would heal people who have, have been infected by this virus, Lord. You bring healing today. And that you would bring uh, protection upon those who are in harm's way. Protect us all, Lord. And we plead the blood of Jesus around us and within us as a shield, dear Lord, today. May Jesus Christ be exalted above all the earth this day. And the eyes of our heart will be enlightened to know the hope to which you called us, his glorious inheritance of the saints, and his incredibly great power for us who believe. Give us that power, dear Lord, that raised Christ from the dead and seated Jesus at your right hand, dear Lord. We need your power and your strength today. So whatever the issue is, Jesus is the answer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at John chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 19 to 34. And we're going to, I want to talk just a moment a little bit about where we are. Last week we talked about our faith, growing our faith. We are living in perilous times. We're living in uncertain times and we need to have strong faith. Amen. I think everybody can say amen to that. We need strong faith, right? And many times we say, Lord, increase our faith. And certainly when we pray that prayer, we talked about it. that's a prayer that I believe God answers, but it may not be the way we thought he was going to answer it. And the ways we talked about last week and how he strengthens our faith is that he uses difficulties. Remember? He uses difficulties. And he wants to see how you and I will respond to those difficulties. They're called tests, aren't they? They're called tests in our lives. And it, it strengthens our faith. And sometimes, obviously, it's very difficult. Just like when we lift weights or maybe we do some type of a, a strenuous exercise and we exercise those muscles and they get stronger and stronger. And that's what our faith does, gets stronger and stronger. And, and one of the ways also are demands by his commands that we obviously obey God immediately. Whatever he tells us to do, we need to obey God, certainly. And then also we know God uses our dollars uh, as a test and seeing how we obviously spend our money. Are we spending it the way the Holy Spirit directs us and maybe bringing the tithe into the storehouse here as we do, we bring our tithes in to be able to continue the ministry and so forth. And God says, test me on this and I'll pour the, the blessings out on you. You won't be able to hold them. And God will bless us and he's blessed me over the years and I know he has you also. So I encourage you in that. The way God tests you, kind of look at the way you use your money, you're using it and so forth. I like all the stuff of the world and so do all of us probably, but where are our priorities? And then also the last thing that we talked about were the delays of God. You know, I told you, I don't like to wait. And I hate waiting. I don't like delays. I don't like that. I want to get on with it. Let's get on with it. I pull up behind a car at a stoplight, and I'm looking to see which one I think is going to take off the line the fastest so I can be behind them, so I can get out of there, okay? I'm very impatient, and I know one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience and so forth. God's still working in my life on that. Maybe he is your life also. But I know that, uh, that all these things are strengthening our faith because I believe something that a pastor friend of mine actually feels called to do this, and that is prepare a people for the Lord. That's actually his calling, and he mentors me, has for the last 35 years, and, and still does in that. And so today I believe that we're called to do that, and I believe that's certainly our calling to prepare a people for the Lord. We don't know when Jesus will come back, certainly, but we need to be prepared. I think we can agree on that, amen? I think we can agree that we need to be ready. We need to be strengthened. We need to be, obviously, to go through these things we're facing with the joy of the Lord as our strength. We need to be a, a, a part of that. And so when we look here in, these, in this scripture, you know, we're thinking, and I want you to know, who is Jesus? You know, who is he? You know, 
You can say, well, he's the Messiah. He's my Lord and my Savior, my personal Lord and Savior. And then I ask the question, why did he come? And, and how can I know him? And David is talking about in Psalms 11, verse 3, he says, when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do here? And so we can fortify those foundations. We can confirm and affirm our confidence in Jesus Christ. Because, you know, when you get back to the basics, the foundation, the foundation is Jesus. I remember I was counseling a lady years ago when I was had planted a church on the west side of Houston. And she came in and she said, I need counsel for this particular issue in my life. And I, I was praying about it. And I said, Lord, I need the spirit of counsel to be given to me and that I can say the right things and I can guide her in the right direction according to your word and so forth, according to your will and so forth. And I didn't really get a lot of answers from the Lord, but the only thing I did get is tell her that Jesus Christ is the answer. And so she came in and she discussed what her issue was and so forth. And, and I remember telling her, I said, let me just say this. I want to say this because I believe God put it on my heart. And that is Jesus Christ is the answer to your issue. And she said, that's it. He's it. He's the one. And so Jesus Christ is the answer to these issues we see in the world today. Amen. Don't ever forget it. He is the, the way. I, I may have all the riches and I may be able to, hey, have a, a real intellectual, obviously, ego and so forth and all these things. But let me tell you, when you get down to it, Jesus Christ is the answer to the world and all the issues that it faces today. So we need to know him. And so in John's day, we're going to talk about John the Baptist in this message here. The fundamentals of the faith were under attack. You had Gnosticism and you had philosophies that were there. Well, you've got, and you've got the same thing today. You've got humanism out there. You've got relativism and, you know, it's all relative and, and all these other isms that are out there. And yet we know that obviously we need to have a foundation knowing who is Jesus and who is Jesus to you. And I believe today, this is just maybe even today, even more solidify your relationship with Jesus Christ as we talk about these things from the Word of God. It's important. And so as you read, read along with me in verses 19 through 34 of uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests unto, unto Jerusalem and Levites asked him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, and he confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, they're asking John, what then, art thou uh, Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Art thou the prophet? And he answered, no. And they said, therefore, unto him, who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What saith thou of yourself? What do you say about yourself? Okay. And he said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as said the Isaiah the prophet. And they had been sent from the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why then do you baptize uh, if thou art not the Christ, neither Elijah, neither the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize in water in the midst of you standing. In the midst of you stands one whom you don't know, even he that comes after me, the thongs of his sandals or shoes, I'm not worthy to unloose. And these things were done in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. And on the morrow, he sees Jesus coming to him and he said this, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And this is he who whom I said, After me comes a man who, who has become before me, 
for he was before me. And then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. And so we want to look at two things today. We want to look at John's testimony about himself and who he is and then we want to look at John's testimony concerning the Christ, first of all. John's testimony about who he says he is. Think about it. For 400 years, there had not been a revelation from God in between. You know, you look at it and we talk about it between the Old Testament and the New Testament. For all those years, there not, God had not spoken. Now, I know God led during that time and so forth, and, and he wasn't just, you know, absentee, so to speak, but it's not recorded. But yet, God did not speak, and so all of a sudden, God comes on the scene. But you think about that time during the time that the, fair, the teachers and the scribes were continuing to teach there. Don't you know that uh, they didn't, they, they, I'm sure they had revelation from God one way or another, but in one way or another, they were uh, obviously probably a hit and a miss, so to speak, in what was going on. And then all of a sudden, God comes on the scene and does these things. John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he was obviously, you remember, he was a prophet dressed in Hamel's hair and a leather belt there in the desert. And he speaks with boldness and authority of a true prophet. And these hungry souls of Judea flock to hear him. Thousands upon thousands of people flock to hear John the Baptist preach. All these years, they not heard a word from, from the prophets and so forth, but all of a sudden John burst on the scene and here he begins to speak. Don't you know? There were many people who were hungry to hear what God was saying. And it's the same way with us many times. I believe today that we are famished for the Word of God. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, and it pierces to the very conscience of those who hear that Word, and that Word goes forth, you see. It's living and active, and we need that Word every day. You know, He speaks a better Word, the Bible talks about. And so people are hungry, and I believe today what people are searching for are, is the living Word of God, and that is Jesus, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God there, as Jesus. Jesus was with God and the Holy Spirit at the beginning and eternity past there, the very beginning of time, the three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus being the Word of God, people were hungry for the Word of God. Rumors spread throughout the land at this time. Maybe John is a long-awaited Messiah. Maybe he is Elijah promised in the last few verses of the Old Testament. And maybe he's a prophet Moses talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And so John had ignited a spiritual zeal and excitement beyond anything of that generation ever seen or heard. He, he ignited a spiritual zeal. And think about it today. Don't we need that? We need, obviously, preachers to preach from the pulpit that will ignite a spiritual zeal in people's lives. And I can't do that, but the Spirit of God can do that. And I can be an instrument of what God wants to do in this day and this time to ignite something in your heart, in my heart, that excites us again 
and again draws us to the presence of the Lord and to the Word of God and to prayer today. Because prayer, obviously, is our relationship and how we relate to God. And so I believe we need that today. I don't need to read from the Reader's Digest. I don't need to somehow read from these other types of articles and so forth. I need to read from the Word of God because the Word of God is sufficient for all these things. And we need pastors and, and, and other teachers and so forth to ignite that zeal. John the Baptist ignited a zeal in the hearts of the people at that time. You see, the religious rulers there and the Sanhedrin, they couldn't ignore what was going on. They couldn't discount that John as some passing nipple there or ripple in the religious community. So they sent a designation there of selected priests and Levi to ask John some questions. Now, the first question, is, of course, that they asked him, they said, is this the Messiah? Are you the Christ? And, and obviously, this was a time in Israel's history of great eschatological expectation. They had an expectation. Do we have an expectation? Jesus Christ is coming back soon. Do we look for his soon return? Are we anticipating him coming back again? We don't know when. Are we being prepared? Are we excited about him coming back today? You know, I have nothing here on this earth. I have my family and I have loved ones. I have all of you today. But heaven is going to be far beyond what we can imagine today. And I'm ready to go home anytime God calls us. If he bursts through the clouds right now, will we be ready? That's the question. Jesus Christ is coming back again. He's coming back, he said. You know, when he went the first time, he went up. And then, then those people stand there and said, this one will come back just as you see him leaving. He'll come back again today. He's coming back again. As we know, the Bible certainly uh, prophesies this completely here. Is John the Christ. You know, John's testimony concerning himself begins with a series of denials. Verse 20, he said, he did not fail to confess, but confess freely. I am not the Christ here. And you think about it today. John was making it clear that he is not the Christ. He's not the one. He was obviously the forerunner. He was the one that was making a way for Jesus to come into the world here. But I believe in one way or another, you could hear the groans of disappointment from the people at that time when they, they heard that John was not the Messiah. They, they wanted someone to come and deliver them from the Roman oppression that was going on at that time. They didn't understand the fullness of why, you know, Jesus would come back. The Messiah, obviously, the chosen one would come back. They were being under oppression there, the Roman oppression. They just thought somebody was going to come and set them free from that. They had the wrong idea, obviously, completely. Jesus wasn't talking about that necessarily a physical rearrangement and so forth. He was looking at our hearts. He was wanting to change man's hearts here. And so, obviously, he said, if John's not the Christ, then who here? And so these priests and Levites were not only familiar with, the, obviously, the current rulers, rumors, but also uh, they, were, they were versed in, in Scripture. If you're not the Christ, then who are you? Are you Elijah? And John said, no, I'm not Elijah. And obviously, if they had asked, are you operating in the power of Elijah? He could have said, yes, I am, but I'm not Elijah here. They were asking him. It wasn't their question, certainly, here. Are you the prophet? It's talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And John the Baptist said, no, I'm not. I'm not the prophet at all. And so the delegation was not satisfied with all these no answers. Who are you? What do you say about yourself? They began to probe. What are you saying? What are you doing here? Because what you're doing is out here, you're preaching and teaching and you're baptizing and you don't have our authorization to do that. 
So who are you? You see, he, he was John, even John the Baptist out there, and probably he's dressed up in the Hamill's care, and they, he ate locusts and all this other weird stuff. They thought, who is this weird guy? Can't you imagine seeing him coming on the scene? He looked strange. He didn't look like anybody they'd seen before. And he was doing these things with authority, and they knew that authority. And so he was baptized, and he was doing all these things, and, and he was telling them, no, I'm not the Christ here. And John tells them who he is here in verse 23. And he says this, that I am a voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord. I am just a voice, just a messenger, one sent to announce the coming of another one here. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 and 4, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the rough ground become, shall become level and the rugged place a plain. He was saying today, I'm making a way for that, the one who is the Messiah here. And John the Baptist was sent by God. And John chapter 1 verse 6 tells us that here. And, and obviously it shows the graciousness of God. John the Baptist is called, was called by God and was sent by God. Let me tell you something today. Maybe this is news to y'all, but each one of us are called by God. Amen. You're not here by accident. You're not here. I'm not here by accident. I'm called by God. There's a calling on my life and there's a calling on your life also. And it's obviously, it's a call to do the will of God. It's a call to tell other people about Jesus Christ and, and salvation and forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's the calling on your life and my life. It's a calling on our lives today. John had received revelation from the Lord that he was to do this and he stepped out. You see, we had revelation when we received Jesus Christ into our lives that he is the Messiah and he is my personal Lord and Savior. It comes by revelation. You know, John, when Peter uh, was saying to Jesus, Jesus, you are the Christ. And Jesus said, well, how do you know? You, you didn't know this by on your own, but my father revealed it to you. And so we see this calling here in, in John chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. There came a man who was sent from God. He, his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world, you see. We have a calling to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. That calling. Are we fulfilling that calling? I just ask, are you fulfilling it? Are you fulfilling God's calling in your life? Time's slipping away. Time is marching on. Time flies for me, it flies for you. It doesn't slow down for anyone. Are we taking opportunities when God gives us those times? And the quickening of God's spirit in our lives that may be in the grocery store, or maybe at the filling station, wherever it may be, wherever somebody comes up to us, you know. I want to share that something I believe is really heavy on my heart because I believe today I see many people today that are going out into eternity without Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, it breaks my heart. I see so many children that are not in the church house today learning the word of God today should be in there learning from a youngster about who Jesus Christ is and they're not in here. Their parents pay, take no responsibility to take them to church or listen to the word of God or teach them the word of God or pray with them, whatever it may be. It breaks my heart. We all have that responsibility. Have I always done that, obviously, to the optimum? No, I haven't. But that's my heart, and that's my desire, because I know what the truth is, and so do you. So we need to do that today. We need to be that witness. You see, John was a witness here, and that was his job. And we, obviously, in this room today, every believer in this room 
Our job is to be a witness for Jesus Christ, to proclaim him as Jesus is Lord today. That is our responsibility. We are not the light, but we are a reflection of that light. We are a reflection, and the light of Jesus shines through you and I, and when all this turmoil that's going on around us, shouldn't we be standing steady with peace in our hearts that someone would come up to us and say, what is it? What, how can you go through this time like this? And you can share with them about Jesus Christ in your life. I remember years ago and when I was doing hospice, and I remember that I uh, walked into a house one time, and, and it just felt darkness that was in there. And I, I felt like, Lord, I, I need... I need your light to shine in here. And I remember praying about it. And I said, Lord, let your light shine in this place, in this darkness. And, and all of a sudden, I felt like this was like things lit up and the darkness was driven out, you see. We're not the light, obviously, but we are a reflection of the light. We're ambassadors for Christ. We have a job. We have responsibility to do. The church has to, to rise up and to take full responsibility for our calling, and that is to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord over all. And no, a lot of people don't know. And we shared a couple weeks ago about statistically, the older you get, the, the, the chances of you coming to the Lord. Now, all things are possible with God. But if you haven't been raised from a young child, if you haven't been taught about who Jesus is, a lot of times they'll never come into church out there don't have an idea who Jesus is. And let me tell you, most people, a lot of people, and I've visited with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds before, most people, a lot of people anyway, feel like they're going to heaven by their good works. Maybe they say they didn't do something as bad as their neighbor did or somebody here they heard on the news, but somehow they say, I'm getting there, Jim, because, you know, he was a good man or he, she was a good lady and all. I said, what was their relationship with Jesus? Well, mama never took us to church. Daddy never took us to church. But he was a good man. You see, our goodness is not, not enough. It's like filthy rags, according to what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah. It's not enough, you see. We need to be a witness here. And John's an excellent example of what it means to be a good witness for Jesus Christ. Obviously, a witness is sent from God here. Jesus said, obviously, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. The Father sent me, and he's sending me and you. Go into all the world and preach the good news. We're to be witnesses, to testify concerning that light. You see, and what happened here, John's life obviously aroused inquiry. And can't you imagine? I mean, he was strange looking to begin with, probably. And he's preaching this thing. I mean, what's he talking about here? And again, they're still thinking, many of them, I'm sure, that, uh, <clears throat> you know, the Romans were going to, uh, obviously, <laughs> they, their power was going to be taken away and all that. And yet, they were curious. And so, that his, obviously, we should arouse inquiry and curiosity. What is going on here with you? How can you go through this? You see, when people ask questions, about obviously what is going on here. It's our opportunity to share our witness with people. When people are asking questions, in a lot of cases, because obviously it's God's gone before us and, and God has stirred that person's heart for them to ask questions, you see. The Bible says no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. Nobody. I remember going into a situation, obviously it was a hospice situation years ago. I've shared it many, many times because I always, I'll never forget it. And it was up in Montgomery County and I walked into this big farm, big, a lot of land, you could tell. They had a lot of land, cattle and so forth. And this big type of uh, old style home were there. 
and myself and the social worker walked in, and the social worker's a Christian, strong Christian, and we walked in, and the lady was laying under a large bed over here on the, uh, a good distance from, a big large bedroom with one of the canopy tops on it. I remember it to this day. And I remember as I walked in the door, the lady locked in on me, and she stared at me the whole time. I'd never seen her before. It's the first time I'd met her. And I walked over, and, and the social worker came over, was trying to give comfort and so forth, but realized what was happening. Understand, you want to talk to Jim? And she, she said, I, I need to back off. You need to, you want to talk to Jim? And she went, mm-hmm. And so I went over, and I talked to her for just a moment about Jesus Christ in her life. It was just a few moments. And I said, have you ever asked Jesus to come into your life and save you? And be your Lord and Savior. Because I said, unless God heals you from this illness, you're getting ready to go out into eternity. And she said, no, I haven't at all. I said, would you like to? And she said, yes, I want him as my Lord and Savior. And she bowed her head there in the bed and asked Jesus Christ to come into her life. I'll never forget it. About two or three weeks later, she died. She went into eternity. And I had the privilege in many, many cases in going in and sharing Jesus. Some people, you know, obviously I was praying, Lord, what, at what part, where is a person at? Can I affirm their faith? Or do they need Jesus or whatever it may be today? And God was always faithful to me to, to quicken my heart as to how to share with people about Jesus, you see. You know, the way I was raised in the old Baptist church there, and a lot of times is that you know, most of it was kind of not that it was at directly taught. We were all to be witnesses. But it was kind of like the pastor supposed to do all that. That's the pastor's job and all. And let me tell you, I'm not trying to get out of work here. I'm trying to teach the Bible. And the Bible says you and I have the anointing of God upon our lives to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't because I was a pastor that day. It was because I saw God use me to share the gospel with him. I had it. Along that time, people lock in on me and say, I've seen you somewhere before. And I knew at that moment, I said, God, you're up to something. And many times they would ask Jesus to come in their life. All these opportunities sometimes in our the highways and byways of life as we cross paths with people that we don't share, you see. We need to be a witness and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. It's most important. John was a pointer. He pointed them. And he obviously, he, he smoothed the roads out. He, he, the curves and all. He, he made it easy for people to come to church, uh, come to a salvation of Jesus Christ. He made it easy for people. And uh, it was because he was sent to prepare the way for the people. I believe you and I are sent to prepare the way for many people today. Because you see today, I can only do so much witness and I only have contact with so many people. You have Lots of contact too. Each one of us. If we just, obviously one person, one person that we would say, you know, Jesus loves you and pray with them. You know, a lot of times people will say, you'll say, how can I help you? Many times we said, they'll say, well, uh, pray for me. And then we go and I'll pray for you. And then we hit the road and all that. We need to pray with that person right there on the scene, no matter where, whether it's in the middle aisle at Walmart or Target, wherever it may be, pray for them. Because God's up to something when that person says that. Because they recognize why they have a need. You see, John the Baptist, he aroused inquiry, curiosity by his obviously preaching and so forth. Listen to John's testimony concerning Christ. Verse 26, he says this, I baptize with water, 
And he said the religious leaders will question his authority to baptize followers here. But then he says here, but among you, he's saying among you stands one who you don't know. You see, Jesus right there in the crowd. Can't you imagine? You see, he's here right now with us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is here right now. And he wants to come in your life and he wants to equip you and he wants to empower you and me to be a light into the world. John said, there's one that you haven't seen. And I bet they probably all looked around like, where is he? Where is he? Don't you, don't you believe that? John was arousing their inquiry here. You know, uh, uh, he was a faithful witness here. Obviously, um, we need to know. When we come here, God is here. Invite him into this place. Many times on Wednesday night, we'll come in and pray over the pews. We'll come in and pray over this place for the services that will be held here today. We didn't last week. We got busy and went on. We uh, uh, didn't do it, but most of the time we will come in here and pray and ask for God's presence to be here. That's what it's all about today. The Bible says in Revelation, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. I believe it's not necessarily, I always thought as a good Baptist, that it was about unbelievers and so forth. And I believe that to be true too, but I believe he's, he's knocking on the door of the church house. He's wanting to come back in to the church house. You see today the, 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 the era that is being taught many times in other churches. You see people there that are being ordained, that are directly in contradiction to the word of God. You see today teachings of philosophies and all these types of, again, isms and so forth. But let me tell you today, as long as I live, I'll preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I will preach Jesus till the day I go home to be with him. Because he's the only answer. There's no other. There's no other answer but Jesus Christ and him crucified, risen from the dead. You know, uh, in verse 29. John saw Jesus coming towards him, and as John saw Jesus coming towards him, he obviously he knew it was time. It was time to identify the Messiah here. And it's importance in timing. Don't go in beating somebody over the head saying, you need to do this and you need to do that. Listen, let your light shine. Let your life, your style be an example to people. And when that time comes, God will give you an opportunity to verbally witness to them. He'll give that time. But go in and share and, and let live the life Jesus wants you to live, but be open, listening, sensitive to the Spirit of God that you can share your witness with people here. And obviously, what did John say? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There he is. John's testimony concerning the Messiah, obviously. A lot of times I'll ask the Lord, open my eyes that I may see. Open my ears that I may hear. Open my mind that I may understand. And open my heart that I may obey. Open my eyes that I may see. And you see, Jesus is right there in the midst and they're looking around here. But at the right time, John identified him, the Lamb of God. And he introduces him as the Lamb of God. You know, obviously these people during that time knew the sacrificial system. They knew the sacrifices there in the Old Testament as their religion had, had taught them the sacrifices of lamb. And they also knew about Passover. Remember what happened? And the people uh, of the Hebrew children were there in Egypt in captivity. And God said, take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost 
of your dwelling place and so forth so that the death angel may pass over and you will not be harmed. Remember that? All that. They knew all that, all that. And so he was identifying him as the Lamb of God. And John here is pointing to the cross here. And it's Jesus' mission here. More important than any other. He is a lamb slain, the Bible says in Revelation, before the foundation of the world. Now, explaining that theologically, that may take some time. But believe you me, God knew from eternity past at the right time that he would send his son into the world as the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the sinless sacrifice, to die for the sins of the world. That's how much he loves me and you. This is how much he loves people today. He loves souls, church. He loves people. Don't ever doubt that. He loves us. And he loves those. But you see, he gives us a choice. We make that decision. Love requires a choice to love back. We're not robots. And so from the foundation of the world, he was already slain. But we see here, for the forgiveness of sin, the lamb must be slain. Justice must be served here, certainly. And sin must be punished. We see here. See, if not, if it doesn't, then the sins of the world, it falls on me. If my sins didn't fall on the lamb, then my sins fall on myself. And I don't have it. I haven't got it. But my Savior, the Lamb of God, He took away the sins of the world. And whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life, you see. Jesus, the Lamb, who takes away the, the sin of the world, your Lamb of God? Is it yours personally? It's a question today here. Obviously, are you trying in your own goodness to make it to heaven? Are you trying to say, I haven't been too bad in one way or another? And again, the Bible says that your best acts are like filthy rags in God's sight. Filthy rags. See, he is the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. John was saying to his listeners, receive him as the Lamb here. You say, but people today, they want to receive the Lamb of God on their terms, don't they? You know, you say, I surrender all. I've got to give up this and that. I don't want to give up this. I'm having a good time in life. You want to take away my good time. And what we do, we wind up bargaining in one way or another and we don't give our lives to the Lord. But you see, to have the Lamb of God in your life, you have to come on God's terms, not our terms. We have to give our lives to Him. We have to surrender. And a lot of people say, I don't like that word. I don't like surrender. I don't like that. You see, because I'm in control now. And the fact is, I've seen people right there before they died and they were grappling for control and they had no control. People there with a bedside table will, if you take and try to give them water and all that, no matter how much strength they have or whatever, they'll grab that cup of water and that's the last bit of control that they have and they try to drink. You see, the reality is we none are in control. God is in control. And the sooner we surrender to Him, whatever it is He's talking to you and me about, or whatever the issue is in our life, the sooner we'll have the freedom that Jesus came to give. That's what life is. People say, no, I want to come on my own terms. And they never come. They never give their life to Jesus, you see. Jesus first comes to deal with our sin, then He comes to empower us. When John said in Matthew 3, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. 
He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with power in our lives. Again, we need power. I talked about this several weeks ago. We need power. How do we get We We ask him, Lord, I need power. The older I get, I believe the more I realize I need power. How about you? Okay? I need power. I need strength. I need that every day here. He tells us, obviously, that John came by revelation. How do you know all that? God showed it to Jesus. And the same way with us, he's still speaking today. He speaks through his word. He speaks through people. He speaks through dreams and visions, all the ways that the Bible says he does. Get into the word and ask him to speak to you. He'll speak to you. He'll speak to anyone he wants to. You see, John baptized Jesus, and as Jesus came up out of the water, remember, John saw the heavens open, the Holy Spirit like a dove descend upon Jesus. And obviously, remember that voice that came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And obviously, that's when John knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Remember that. Also in verse 30, uh, this is one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Remember, John obviously was born before Jesus out of, out of his mother's womb, out of Elizabeth's womb. But remember, he's saying, there's one who came a long time before I did. Jesus was here from the very beginning. That's what he was saying at that particular time. Because why? Jesus is eternal. Jesus is eternal. As a man, John was born before Jesus, but there we see Jesus is eternal. In verse 15, John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me here. We're talking about there the pre-incarnate Christ when John the Baptist is talking. Who is Jesus? And John answers here. Then verse 34, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. And this is our testimony as well here. He is the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world here. And Jesus is the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world, takes away your sins and my sin. And forever and ever we will worship Him as the Lamb of God. And John gave us a glimpse of that in Revelation chapter 5 and verses 11 through 13. Let me read it to you. He said this, this is John getting a revelation from the Lord. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. One day we'll sing that also. Isn't that good news, church? One day, we will sing that. I can't wait for that day. I'm ready. Anytime. I've got fulfilled. You know, Paul said, you know, he's ready to go, but it's better that he stays and finishes what God wants him to do. And it's the same for all of us. But the question is today, what's the Lord saying to you about this today? Is he the Lamb of God to you? who takes away the sins of the world? Is he the Lamb of God who's taken your sins away? Because see, he's the only one that can take our sins away. He took the sins of the world, all of the sins of the world, upon him. 
We do. We obviously believe him and we trust him, obviously, for our salvation. So that question is obviously, it permeates our minds. Have we been forgiven? Do we know that with certainty? Do we know when we take our last breath where we're going that we'll go to heaven to be with the Lord? Those who may be searching and looking for truth. And what is truth? Remember Pilate was getting ready to crucify him and obviously turned him over to, to crucify Jesus. And he looked at Jesus and he said, what is truth? And Pilate was looking at truth. Sometimes we don't recognize truth. Because somehow or another, we've just either our blinders on our eyes have been have been obviously stiffened to where we can't see. Because Jesus was right there in the crowd with him, with the people. And John said, one that's uh, obviously is right here with you now. You see, what happens, Jesus is with us, but many times, because we don't like what he's saying. We don't like what maybe things have happened in our lives or whatever it may be. And we've turned our hearts off to Jesus, you see. And yet God wants to speak to us. And God wants to make us anew. And so that question today, do we have a heart that's open to the Lord? Do we really believe and trust Him? Do we really put our faith in Him? Are we stepping out to witness what we know to be true? And that is that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that that's going to obviously increase in the future. I believe that things are obviously getting worse and worse, like my pastor friend uses this expression. But it's getting better and better. We are. And it's faster and faster. I don't know about you, but it's picking up steam. There's a word to a song that I've been listening to, and that entitled is, He is Worthy. And it, it reads like this, Do you feel the world is broken? And then the background singers say, We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave he is David's root and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. Isn't that good news, church? I know one thing. You know, always, you can shout. You can shout in here. I love, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for being and going to Calvary for me. And if I'd been the only sinner in this world, God revealed to me years ago, if I'd been the only one, he still would have went to Calvary and died for Jim Barcliffe's sins. And that's what he did for all of us here and for all of the world. That's worth celebrating. That's worth shouting hallelujah and thanking God forevermore. One day we'll be around that throne with the 10,000 times 10,000 praising God with all, and I say from the top of our lungs, okay, we won't have body, body, we won't get tired. We're going to get a new body, amen? Be encouraged, we're going to get a new body, okay? And so we'll be praising God all that time for what Jesus Christ has done for me, for you, and for all who will believe, amen? Need to pray. I believe that we don't understand the power in prayer. I believe that 
if we will obviously bring people before him, I believe that it will move the heart of God and God will move to save people who are not saved today. Don't ever, don't ever give up. There's not anybody that's too far gone that you don't, can't pray for. God Almighty can save them. My cousin, I always give the example. My cousin brought up on a farm with him, raised, we did physical labor uh, from uh, knee-high to a grasshopper. And uh, he was a rough old guy. And my mom and daddy took me to church, my brother and I. And he didn't go much, he now and then. But he, he really had a foul mouth and, you know, did things and stuff and all. And I remember praying down through the years as we moved and I hadn't seen him in a while and I prayed, Lord, if you can, you can save Larry, you can save anybody. And I'd say that. And I'd say, Lord, forgive me for that because you can save him, Lord. And I remember going back home. There was somebody had passed in uh, my family and so forth and he's sitting on the couch and I said, what's wrong with you? You're different and all. And he goes, yeah, he smiled real big. And I remember that his language was cleaned up. And I said, what's going to happen with you? And he said, smile. He said, I got saved. And I looked, and man, I'll tell you, I've never been so happy in my life. Because I told God, I said, you can save, you can save anybody, rough. And, and we sit and talk. And evidently, he had married a Christian lady there. And, and she uh, took him to church. He heard the word of God. And he got a lot saved. It was probably 10 years later after that. He had diabetes real bad. And... Uh, he got infection in his foot, obviously. Uh, had a heart, a heart attack and went home to be with the Lord. He's in heaven right now. But maybe it's somebody you're praying for and you haven't seen any evidence of move or anything happen. Don't give up. Keep praying. Bring them before the throne. You don't have to obviously tell God how to do it. He knows exactly what to do. But we intercede, right? Because Jesus is interceding for us. That means he's praying for you and me. And we pray. And I pray that God in my life, and maybe you pray this prayer too, that he would quicken my prayer life a lot more than what I am. I'm praying. I don't pray enough. I need to pray more. I know y'all maybe think the same thing. Because we're living at a time where we need God. We need God in our lives and the church house. We need God in this nation. And we need God in this world. So I pray God's blessings upon you today and thank you for your attention. I pray God would touch your heart and move on your heart and move upon my heart as I share this. Because I always, I've told you, I always preach to myself every time, every time. I pray that God would use it too. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day and thank you for your word, your truth. We thank you, Lord. We know that we also, in that sense, are forerunner of Jesus, preparing a way of people for the Lord, preparing, Lord. So help us, Lord, to get ready because we believe maybe time is drawing short. We don't know that time. But Lord, help us to act as if that time could be short, because it could be. Help us to be prepared. Help us, Lord, to look up and be watchful for our redemption is drawing near. Help us to see, Lord, that we have opportunities, probably more than we'd ever realized, to be able to share the gospel, to be able to tell people Jesus is Lord. Do you know him? Give us opportunities, Father. And pray today, anybody here has never received Jesus, that maybe today would be the day that you give your heart to him and say, I need Jesus in my life today. And if it's not that, then I need power in my life. And Lord, I ask you to just fill me with your spirit. I need your power to live an overcoming life and victory. And I need to be a, a witness. And I need your power, Lord. 
All these prayers we lift to you today. May Jesus be honored and may he be praised. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Y'all have a great week, and we will see you next week. God bless all of you. Thank you.